If you have a brain, you have bias. So let's just own it. Some biases help us by simplifying our decision-making process. Other biases hold us back by impacting who gets hired and promoted and even who we approach to be our friends. Welcome to Breaking the Bias, a podcast where we interview impact makers who are breaking the bias when it comes to inclusion and equity. Because sharing our stories is how real belonging happens. I would issue what I would call a CEO challenge. If you want to reopen right now and you're a CEO of a company, you need to work with your workers. Go down there and welcome them back to work and stand with them for two weeks. I'm Holly Corbett, Director of Content for Consciously Unbiased. Today, we're speaking with Jennifer Streaks, financial commentator, news personality, and personal finance contributor for CNBC about the money moves we should all be making during this pandemic and recession, how the wealth gap is widening even more between whites and people of color during this public health crisis, why she thinks reopening businesses is a big mistake, and much more. Here is Jennifer's candid advice. As of now, more than 33 million Americans have filed for unemployment as of mm-hmm. mid-March, with many more of us um, at risk of losing our jobs. Um, so just wanted to see what are some financial moves we should be making right now in the middle of this re- recession and pandemic? Okay. Well, the first thing I would say is that if you are someone that has been you know, eliminated from your job, whether it's a layoff, furlough, maybe you might have even had you know, your income reduced you should be looking for money in all areas. If you've been laid off or you should be applying for unemployment. If you've been furloughed, you should be calling your creditors and saying, you know, this is what's happened. I may need a few months where my payments are deferred so that, you know, I can take care of myself and just see what is going to be happening with my job. If your income has been reduced, you're going to have to, you know, cut expenses. I know companies that have basically said anyone making over $100,000 a year, their income is going to be reduced by 25%. That's a hit. And if your lifestyle is right up to $100,000, if you're living like that, you're going to have to reduce uh, expenses for a while. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think there are so many... This pandemic has shown, at least myself, that there's a lot of ways that I'm spending money unnecessarily, and it really Mm -hmm. forced me to do a budget. I found out that I was subscribed to Pandora, Spotify, and Amazon Music, and I correct, correct. And there's so many little things that I see people doing because we're, of course, we're sitting in our homes, we're posting everything on Instagram and Twitter, and so yeah, the coffee runs oh my gosh, this is open. It's the drive-through. Let me go pick up, you know, a, a chicken sandwich. Or every time you look, I'm going to Whole Foods. I'm planning my budget for the week. But that's money that you are continuously spending. So you have to put together now what I call a pandemic budget. Because we don't know how long this is going to go. And the way that states are opening up, you might actually see another shutdown. So if that happens, you want to make sure you still have resources available. Is this a good time to be calling credit card companies and asking to lower the interest rates? Definitely. Anything that you can do with any of your creditors right now, I would try to get my payments deferred Mm. and just say, I need three months, four months, six months of just no payments. Also make sure you ask whether or not that payment deferral will be reported on your credit report in any way, because you don't want to come out of this 
with any sort of negative dings on your credit report. And so you, you wrote in a recent CNBC article mm-hmm. that the wealth gap is widening between whites and people of color. And I think I just read a statistic that the, the median household income for black Americans is $18,000 for Latinas mm-hmm. is around $24,000 and for whites is $171,000. That's a huge gap. Can, can yeah. you share what some of the factors might be that's contributing to this? Well, I mean, and we're seeing that it's worsening now. You have such factors as credit inequality. You've got systemic bias in the lending industry. That's also a problem. And it's just hard when you make such a small amount of money to be able to pay bills on time. It's hard to save money. And so when you can't consistently pay your bills, that impacts your credit, which then makes it put you in a negative position to try to get money from a lender, from a financial lending institution. So it's a vicious cycle of just not having enough money to live and to do things that you need to do to increase and better and to increase and better your lifestyle. So for listeners who may not be familiar with credit inequality, can you kind mm-hmm. of just break that down, what that is exactly, what the research shows? Credit inequality is problematic in the African-American, Latina, just people of color community in that there has been systemic bias in how things are reported to the credit report, how long it stays on the credit report. The fact that we may not have a house or a personal loan to report, the fact that it's harder to get high-end credit cards, which makes your credit report not look as good or you know, as financially rich as whites. And so if you need to get a loan from the bank, it's gonna be hard. If you want to buy a home, it's going to be hard because you don't have the credit. And that's why you would see uh, someone like a Senator Tim Scott, who was putting forth a bill that said, you know, let's make sure that we report uh, phone bills, cell phone bills. Let's make sure, let's find a way to report rent, things that people who may not be homeowners yet, things that people who are in their 20s and 30s, and they may not have the best job yet, but they're still paying rent. They're still paying their mobile fees, their cell phone fees. So those things count. If you're making those monthly payments on time, that should count because that can also improve your credit. Anytime you are making monthly payments and they're on time consistently, you are going to see a significant increase in your credit and you're going to have consistent good payments that make you look financially responsible to a lender. And that's what you need for good credit. I think what you're saying is one way to help lessen the wealth gap is to mm-hmm. reform the way we calculate credit scores. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, not only in terms of how credit scores are calculated, but also how long things stay on your credit. Negative items right now, like a late payment on your credit card stays on your credit for seven years. Wow. So what if you forget the- to pay your credit card one month, it's seven years. Seven years. Wow. Seven years. And that impacts you. That takes you, think about seven years. That takes you, if you're 25, you're 32. If you're 33, you're 40. So it takes you into the next, it follows you into the next decade of your life. Hmm. So it has a, it has such a great impact on you. You might've been 22 when you made that late payment. You know, now you're 29, almost 30. You want to buy a house. You're getting married. You may be pregnant. And you still have something from seven years ago that's holding you back. There really needs to be credit reporting 
reform. And so research is also finding now that workers of color are the most likely to Uh be fired during an economic downturn and also the last to be rehired during economic recoveries. I mean, in what other ways might this pandemic be amplifying these income inequalities? People of color are the frontline workers, the essential workers. When you go to the grocery stores, they're the ones that are ringing you up. They're the ones that are stocking the shelves. When you go to a restaurant, they're the waiters. They are the ones that are washing the dishes in the back. So when it's time, when you have, if you're a restaurant, you have 10 dishwashers. You decide you don't need 10 dishwashers. I can only afford three right now. So that's seven people that you've laid off or fired or let go. That impacts people of color. Unfortunately, at this time, we are still within a company on the lower end of the totem pole. So we are the first fired. And then when you have companies that are saying we're going to re- reopen, they're not going to hire everyone back immediately. I have said this several times. I think that people unrealistically think that it's going to be a Sunday night. You're going to be at home. You're going to get an email that says come into work tomorrow. It's not going to work like that. Companies are going to slowly reopen. They're going to do assessments as to what their needs really are. They're going to look at what the profit margin is, what's coming in when they first reopen. So you may not see your job again for another three months, six months, even though your previous employer has has opened, you may not see it again. They may decide we don't need 10 dishwashers. From now on, we're going to work with only five. And you were one that didn't get the call to come back. So you're going to see this unemployment is going to stick with us for a while. There is a racial wage gap and Mm -hmm. white collar workers are more likely to be able to work remotely Um, during this pandemic and therefore lessening their risk of contracting the virus. And Mm -hmm. uh, well, there's so much talk in the media right now about slowly reopening uh, Mm -hmm. some businesses, I think with Georgia leading the way. Um, Can you share whether you think this is a good move or a bad move in terms of economics and equality? I do not make, think it's a good move. There was a really good quote that uh, went viral on Twitter when, and it was stated, basically I'm paraphrasing, it said that, you know, CEOs are making these decisions about front workers' lives from the comfort of their living rooms. And that's, that's basically what it is. I do not think that it's a good idea to be reopening. Now, I don't think any state should be opening prior to June 15th at the earliest, because what you're doing is all you're doing is you're putting the cashiers out there. You're putting the bag clerks out there. You're putting the people who interact with people every day out there, the nail salons, the hair salons, a haircut at this time is not essential. It is not. But when you put people in a position where they have to choose between their life and their income, you, I mean, it's repugnant. You're putting someone in a bad position. And for me, to me, I would issue what I would call a CEO challenge. If you want to reopen right now, you're a CEO of a company, You need to work with your workers. Go down there and welcome them back to work and stand with them for two weeks. Even if you're not not skilled at whatever labor it is that they are performing, just be there. Be around your workers. You think that your company or your place of business has been sanitized enough? You all have social distancing rules and policies in place. Everyone's wearing a mask and gloves. Then you go down there and you work with your workers. And then let's see how many companies want to reopen. 
Mm, that's that is great advice, a CEO <laughs> challenge. I, uh-huh. I love that. <laughs> the I mean the other point is is that you know if if businesses are slowly starting to reopen and frontline workers have to choose between their safety and going back to work. Right. Um, they're also not going to receive unemployment. They're not going right. to receive the stimulus checks. So it's further going to hurt them economically as well as put them at risk. And at the same time, a lot of um, a lot of lower income workers may rely on tips and mm-hmm. uh, the customers just aren't there. So they're not they're not there and they're not going to rush back. I know restaurants could open where I am tomorrow and I wouldn't be there. There is nothing, I can't do anything if I don't have my life. It's just, it's not <laughs> worth it to me. I mean, that's what right. I, and I just, I don't understand why that needs to be said out loud. Do you not understand that if you are not alive, you cannot do anything? I mean, so it's not, it's not worth it. I can go to a restaurant in 2021. Right, right. Exactly. So, but I also, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. You also... I also think that lawmakers need to send out another stimulus check. I don't know where the first stimulus wave was fine. You still have individuals that are waiting to receive their check, but also I don't know where this $1,200 came from, where that figure came in. In most states, you can't pay rent with that. They need to do an analysis and quickly, you know, let's not talk about it all day. Let's not be on TV, you know, talking about it all day. Get the vote together and vote. And they need to send out a stimulus check that's at least $2,500. And and that's what it means. And get it done quickly. I mean, people need the money. You have people that are choosing between medications and food, choosing between trying to go to work and having, you know, money to buy food. I mean, it's ridiculous. And the thing is, what people don't seem to understand, that's our money. Mm -hmm. Those tax dollars, send it back. Those are, our, that, those are our tax dollars. Why is it that we're waiting when you have the country needing the help right now? We've been paying taxes since the inception of the United States. Been, there's been some sort of tax system in place. Why is it that it's taking so long to get our money back to us when it's obvious that we need it? Right, right. And what, what are some other, are there, is there anything else um, besides cutting another stimulus check that maybe policymakers or lawmakers should be doing right now to help minimize this, this widening economic, economic inequality that's happening? Well, I mean, I, you saw what happened with uh, the paycheck protection loans mm-hmm. and you saw, you know, things like that, just being more aware of what is happening. There should have been uh, a profit cutoff where if you are a company and your profit level has been this much, you can't even apply. It really was for a small business owner. Ruth's Chris is not a small business owner. They're not. Uh, Potbelly, uh, whoever, Shake Shack. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Shake Shack sells, you know, charges you $7 for a hamburger. It's like, are you kidding me right now? How dare you? You know, Mm -hmm. and so I think that's something that they need to look at. I think that there needs to be more thought and consideration put into these applications. There needs to be certainty in making sure that lower income businesses and businesses of color receive those funds. Neighborhood businesses that keep the whole neighborhood together. You have your neighborhood bar, lounge, your neighborhood grill. Everyone goes there on a Friday night, Thursday night. That is supporting that entire neighborhood. You have people, you know people 
in the neighborhood that work there. Those are the businesses that need those peop- those paycheck protection funds, not exactly. a gigantic, you know, conglomerate or a national chain. So mm-hmm. I definitely think that in terms of looking at the loans, making sure that we support small businesses, you know, they've done, I guess they've added more to the unemployment to make sure that it lasts longer. But I do think another stimulus check does need to be on the table. Mm-hmm. And, and from an individual level, what can mm-hmm. we do as individuals to, what's a small move we can make to help kind of do our part? I think from a monetary standpoint, I think you really need to set up a budget for this time period and make sure that you are watching your spending and making sure that you can you keep resources in case there's another wave of this. And if you are unemployed, or even furloughed, I would say this, do not wait on your employer to call you back because you may not get called back. You know, there are companies that are still hiring. There are a lot of jobs you can do remotely. I would say start looking for a job as soon as your employer says, oh, we're laying you off, but we're going to try to call everybody back. Okay, that's great, but you need a job. So keep looking for employment. And on an individual level, is there any steps that individuals can make to help lessen the wealth gap? Is there anything we can do? On an individual level, I yeah. think pay, pay people accordingly. If you have a business, pay people a living wage. There were discussions about increasing the minimum wage to $15 and you had small restaurant owners and bar owners that were saying, I'm going to have to let people go if it you know rises to that level because I can't afford it. You can afford it. You can afford it. I actually think you know, waiters, bartenders, people that work for restaurants and things of that nature, they should be getting paid between 18 and $20 an hour. You have to be able to afford to live, which means be, I should be able to work and pay all my bills. What's the purpose of going to work and being broke? That makes no sense to me. You're working to be broke. That, mm-hmm. that makes no sense. You have to pay people where they can pay all of their bills by working for you. That should be standard. And I think that for individuals who have the means, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if you're able to keep, keep paying, for example, mm-hmm. if you have a housekeeper who may be living paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. even if you're not mm-hmm. using them, continue to pay them if you're able to, because if you that, have a nanny, yeah, or a nanny or mm-hmm. um, whatever help that you may have, if it's important during this time that um, you're you're doing your part by continuing to support the people who have supported you um, in these tough times. I also think that there needs to be more empathy, you know, really just trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes. If you can work from home, if you have an ability to shelter in place, if you are well provisioned in terms of groceries, Count yourself blessed and try to empathize with the next person whose position may not be as nice as yours. Because I think if we had more empathy, you would see that play out in the political process, how these votes and policies happen. You would see that play out in terms of people wanting to wear masks and having you know, arguments about wearing a mask in a store. Because it's not all about you, it's about your neighbor. So you're protecting yourself, but you're also protecting your neighbor. We're seeing that there seems to be some sort of outgrowth of a virus 
that's affecting children now. So, you know, we have to be more considerate and thoughtful and kind to each other. Yeah. And this, this pandemic is really showing us how connected we all are, how mm-hmm. dependent we are on each other. But at the same time, you know, we're not all in this together. It is impacting people differently based Correct. on race, economic standing. Um, Health. So I think that's important, important mm-hmm. to, to know. And empathy is a, is a key in that. Um, in help in doing your part and helping to become more aware of what's going on. I think awareness is the first step and then action is the next step. And I think that you had a lot of great, great points. Um, Also, you mentioned small businesses. The small businesses are the ones that really need the support. And there are statistics that show that um, women of color have been opening Mm -hmm. small businesses at skyrocketing rates, something like I think it was 700% yes. uh, last year. So <laughs> the, these businesses are, are really suffering. And also um, there is a gender and racial um, pay gap. And so in terms of, I think the average woman makes 82 cents on the dollar. Um, right. The average black woman uh, woman is, I believe it's 62 cents. And Native Americans, 57, Latinas, 54 cents. I think a lot of people don't realize that the, the gender wage gap is really widens according to race. It is. And in terms of women, we just, this pandemic is affecting women in ways that I think aren't really being articulated, not only in terms of uh, money, but you, a woman in the household is the breadwinner the teacher, the nurse, the psychologist, everything. And so could you imagine, just think about what a single mother is dealing with right now. So I, you know, and in terms of the whole wage gap, it really annoys me because if the job says it's $100,000 a year, whoever fills that position, whoever, just pay them $100,000 a year. You don't get to say, oh, it's a woman, so we're going to pay her you know, $80,000, or it's a black woman, we're going to pay her $62,000. No, the position is $100,000. Whoever feels, I mean, it's such common sense. I just, mm-hmm. I don't understand how we got to this point where it's okay to pay people based on, you know, their gender. And I think it harkens back to antiquated gender roles from the 50s and 60s. When you had women, oh, when, once she gets married, she's going to leave. Once she gets pregnant, she's out of here. Oh, a woman doesn't need a job like a man needs a job because he's taking care of a family. Women are more and more and more the breadwinners yeah. and head, heads of households and taking care of everything for everyone. Women, especially Black women, are far outpacing men in terms of their educational status and accomplishments. So when you have a woman in a position, you are typically getting a bigger bang for your buck anyway. So, I mean, it, to me, I just, I don't even understand. We need to leave those antiquated gender role ideas in the past where they belong because they don't fit today. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And there is, there's the, um, the motherhood penalty too, where yes. women's pay is pen- penalized. I think moms make 70 cents on the dollar to their, to uh, what fathers make. So mm-hmm. that's also a key component. But then there's also research that shows that mm-hmm. women with children and specifically two children are more 
productive at work than yeah. their male counterparts. So that was something that, that is interesting. I think these biases really have to be dismantled. Um, I believe that. I agree with you on that. And so it's a huge, huge issue, the gender pay gap. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's a lot of systemic, um, systemic issues happening and, and biases that we have to um, overcome. But what is one step you think that, we, that companies can take to help eliminate this pay gap? The first thing, you just pay everybody the same. You just pay. I mean, that is the first thing that you can do. It's all in black and white because you know in HR, there's a list of what everybody makes. If they're doing the same job, they get the same pay. That's the first thing. And the quickest and the easiest thing. It doesn't take legislation to use common sense. That's because that's what it is. If we're doing the same job, we get paid the same wage. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just look at what you're paying exactly. your, your staff and make sure it's equal. And if it isn't, fix it. Fix it. That's it. Fix it. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you think is important to mention? The pandemic has just got me scratching my head a little bit because I think that it has just really put so many issues on the table. When you talk, like you said, the racial wealth gap, uh, gender pay inequality, and just the need, even a greater need for overall health care. And uh, I'm glad that we got to discuss these issues today, because like I said, I feel like they're not articulated enough. But I think, I hope we all come out of this with a greater understanding of our money and trying to plan ahead, uh, not only just, you know, individuals, but companies too. You had entire industries that in three weeks of sheltering in place, of social distancing, of things being shut down, they were filing bankruptcy. We're saying that they were billions of dollars in debt. And I'm sitting here watching this and I'm thinking to myself, how is this the case? Your X, Y, and Z huge billion dollar a year industry, did you not have anything saved? If we're saying this to each other, if we're saying that this should be the case on an individual basis, Companies should be required to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we bail out people before we bail out businesses this time around. You can learn more about our amazing guests and get show notes at consciouslyunbiased.com listen. And we want to hear from you. Please subscribe and rate Breaking the Bias on iTunes and Spotify. And drop us a note to let us know if there's a topic that you'd really want to hear about or a guest that you'd love to see on the show. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Bias.